Welcome to Make It Happen, a podcast for big-hearted creatives who are aching to build impactful, fulfilling and sustainable creative lives on their own terms and by their own rules every step of the way. I'm Jen Carrington, a creative coach based in the UK and you are listening to episode 6 of season 6. Today I'm joined by Yasmin Altier, a musician based in New Zealand. Yasmin has been a client of mine for over a year now and we recently had a coaching call together where we explored how and why creative happiness comes from within and I was so inspired by her mindset and approach that I knew I had to bring her onto the show this season to share a little more of her story and journey with you. In this episode, we dive into her journey so far as a musician, what she learned last year from reaching all of the goals she set for herself and that not actually making her happy like she thought it would, why and how she's embracing that true creative happiness comes from within, and what she's learned about making opportunities for herself in an industry full of gatekeepers too. I adored recording this with Yasmin and I hope you enjoy it too. Let's jump in. Yasmin, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be on it because I've been listening for so long. I know, we've been chatting for, how long have we been working? Over a year now, so it's very exciting to get you. Definitely over a year. <laughs> you are actually the reason this season is happening. I might have told you this in the email when I asked you to come on. I was feeling so, just like a lot of resistance about coming back to doing interviews. And then we had a, our last call you said something about, well, we talked about something that we're going to talk about in this episode about creative happiness coming from within. And I finished that call with you and I was like, oh my God, I need to have this conversation with her on a podcast episode because it was so, it was just so truthful and so important. And I was like, right, let's see, I'm doing another season. So if anyone listening is glad that the show is back, you have Yasmin to thank for that. (laughs) It's so funny because it would have been like the only positive conversation I had with you because before that it was just me moaning and being negative for like a year and being like I don't know what I'm doing and then I had this epiphany after having like three months um away to kind of think about stuff and that's when I came back all like I'm so happy (laughs) I'm glad it inspired something (laughs) okay we will dive into this more in a minute but to get started will you share with us all a little bit more about your journey as a musician and a creative person so far yeah my journey is a bit funny like I when I was about 13 I moved to New Zealand from Iraq and it was when I sort of got introduced to music and songwriting and it was through school and things like that and I I fell in love quickly with with the art form and I felt a deep connection to it and I think any musician could relate to that feeling where it's like this deep connection to lyrics being intertwined with melody and I just was like oh this this is connected but I also came from a very academic family um, and a big family. There was five kids, still are five kids. <laughs> um, you know, I my parents were immigrants. They were very hardworking. We moved to New Zealand for a better life. And uh, I knew I had to finish high school and go to university. And that was the journey. And, and becoming a musician wasn't really a stable career path. So I never became a musician, but I did go to music school. So basically I went to university to train as a pharmacologist and that took me five years. And then I went to music school for a year after that because I just, I got really scared to leave it behind because it was the only thing that really made me feel like I had something that was mine in the world. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do the study, I'll get a job, but I'll still go to music school um, just to kind of be around other people that wanted the same things as me. And I did that for a year and I'm glad I did. And then I came back and, and got a job in the sciences and tried to do music on the side. Um, I released an EP independently with five songs and I did some shows And then I kind of got really scared of the whole thing and went into this big self-doubt, like, am I I a good enough musician? Am I even talented? Blah, blah, which a lot of musicians go through. And I think, um, I know it happened for me because of the lack of response I was getting and also some of the response I was getting. So, like, if, if I... If I was to be on a radio show, I started doubting myself and being like, well, am I good enough to be on this? And then if I got no engagement for like a song that I really believed in, it put me in the same state. So I was pretty twisted. And then after that experience, I decided that I needed to 
I guess, put more time towards music. So I went part-time in my job and started doing music more and more. And I managed to write a whole album and release it last year. And then July last year, I decided to quit science altogether (laughs) and uh, become a musician and a full-time musician. And I set all these goals for myself that um, I achieved all last year, but realized that I was still not happy. So it brings us to present day, which is, um, I guess, my status in present day is now I've gone back to sciences, but I work for myself now. So I'm a freelance uh, clinical researcher, um, which means I could set my own hours and it's how I make my money. And I'm writing my next album. So it was a very long story, but it's been, it's been <laughs> a few years. So <laughs> that's the gist of it. No, no it's awesome. I want to pull back a little minute and so you said and it's really I'm asking you questions that I kind of know the answer to because you spoke about this so much but I feel like I want people listening to like you said that last year you set all these goals and you reached them all but you weren't actually happy I think we think as creative humans or just as humans in general if we set these goals and we reach them we'll be complete we'll be so happy and that didn't happen for you can you share a little bit about what it was like to pursue those goals what you realized on the other side of it of them not making you happy and how that maybe has even changed your approach to goal setting or approaching your music career in a different way yeah like I've always been so goal orientated um really really goal driven and I've always set big big goals for myself like I'm gonna buy a house by myself I'm gonna travel to this country I'm gonna move out and I tick things off and like looking back that's how I lived my life it was just like setting these massive goals and achieving them and then setting the next ones and when it came to music last year I was like I want to sign with a publisher I want to release my album I want to go on tour I want to release some three music videos and I'd like set these big goals at the start of the year I want to launch a podcast I got to the end of the year and I did them all and I think we spoke about this um the last time we spoke but last year I had a miserable year it was like the worst year of my life and um I got to the end of the year and I was like wow I ticked every single goal um apart from one I think I wanted to open for an international artist and I did pursue that goal but it never happened but I was like okay so I got five out of my six goals and I was still not happy and I'm like there is something so wrong about this like I can't keep living my life that way because because obviously reaching goals is not giving me that high that I thought it would and uh Yeah, I had a moment. It wasn't actually a moment of epiphany. It happened because I kind of really had to think about what I was doing. And I realized, actually, like, let's, like, set the flavor for my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's put the word in my life that I want to feel. And then whatever happens on top of that would be amazing. So I was like, okay, well, what do I how do I want to feel? And I wanted to feel elated. That was my word. I wanted to feel happy every day. And I realized, well, if I can feel happy first and then whatever I achieve on top of that will be a plus, then I would have really won. And that's what I pursued. I love that. I, yeah, this comes back to kind of the whole like underlying message that I really wanted to bring you on the show for, because something we spoke about last time we connected was kind of the takeaway was creative happiness comes from within. And I was so... You, talking to you last time we spoke, I I felt like you just spoke the biggest truth there is when it comes to being a creative human that we don't talk about enough because we're putting like, we're always pursuing things outside of ourselves. And the idea of creative happiness comes from within. Will you talk about kind of what that means to you right now and what you've kind of been exploring and discovering around that topic? Well, I mean, I can start by just saying why I didn't know it before. And it was because I was looking at people who have succeeded and thinking that that is what creative happiness looks like. It looks like being on top of the charts. It looks like um, having your albums and your tour uh, sell really well. And that's what I aimed for. And anything less than that meant that I, it was a hobby. That meant that I wasn't a real musician. And so I looked for that, but also the industry itself, um, because it's a business, you know, people need to make money. They put that on musicians as well. Like if you're not selling that many tickets, if you don't have that many followers, then you're you're not ready yet. That was like the word that keep working, keep 
going because you're not ready yet. And, and then you start feeling really inadequate. And I think the joy goes out of what it feels like to write a song, what it feels like to connect to the songs you're writing. So the joy kind of left me a while back um, when it came to music. And especially after I, I played a few shows, I realized that I really don't enjoy playing live. I love writing songs and recording them, but I don't like playing live. It's just not what makes me feel connected. Um, so, yeah, I, I was just miserable, really, with music. And then when I finally realized that actually what I liked was, like, getting up in the morning making a coffee, sitting down with my guitar and structuring a song without worrying about if it's going to be a radio hit, without worrying about who's going to hear it or anything, just like doing the craft. And I I can kind of liken it to somebody who's a writer, for example, and let's say an unpublished writer. It's the joy of like sitting at your desk and just writing. And nobody needs to know that you're writing, you're doing it for yourself. And once I reconnected with that, which is how I feel right now writing my next album. It's like, I just want to say what I want to say. I don't care if it's commercially viable because I'm making my money somewhere else. And I feel like it's the truest songs I've written so far. Yeah, I love that. It's, it sounds like you came home to the truth of why you love this. You you didn't fall, I'm, I'm projecting my opinion onto you here. Tell, tell me if I'm wrong. Project away, dude. I love it when you do that. <laughs> So you mustn't have fallen in love with music at that young age because you wanted to be the next superstar. It was because it was the only time that you really felt connected with yourself. It felt like your your truth and your joy. And then yeah, it was the song, the yeah. song. When I heard the song, that's what I connected to. Yeah. And then what happened was, is all the outside noise of, well, this is what it means to be successful as a musician. And this is what it looks like to be. And this is what you should be doing as a musician. And these are the hoops you should jump through. And, and this is what happens to everyone, whether they're a musician or a writer or any that kind of very traditional gatekeeper industry, creative industries, if you know what I mean. And then you got so disconnected from it and now you're coming home to it and you said something really interesting there was because it's not where your money comes from because you've you found a, a way as a freelancer to do that yourself while still kind of maintaining the the freedom lifestyle you want. You know, you, you're in control of when you pick up freelance jobs or not. You've been able to find the joy again in your music. I think that's so interesting. Yeah, and like the thing is with last year when I quit my job in July, I was like, I had savings and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make money from music. I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do, sign with a publisher, get them to try and, you know, uh, get my songs onto, you know, syncing them with movies or ads or whatever I can get money from. I'm going to play lots of shows. I'm going to try and get lots of plays on Spotify. I'm going to launch a podcast. So it could be like content marketing. I'm going to write a blog and all of the stuff I've been reading and, and, um, kind of learning about how you can monetize yourself online I was doing and I didn't like any of it honestly and like I even on my podcast launched um some mugs that were uh like related to songwriters and and because you know you needed a product to monetize it and it's like all the advice and I'm sure I'm sure it's uh, well-meaning advice but I was getting everything that was out there and trying to apply it apply it to you know running music like a business and um don't even get me started on social media because (laughs) all the advice I was reading on social media like selfies is the thing that connects and then under a photo of your face you could write a big description and people will you know engage more with the posts and read it and You know, like, no criticism of people who do that, but if you feel absolutely disgusting doing that because you're like, I know I don't look like that and I know I just took, you know, at least 15 photos to to then say, oh, like, this is my face. (laughs) If if that doesn't sit well with you, screw whatever positive is going to come from that because it's just you only get the one life and if things don't feel good – um, I'm going to go and make money doing science. You know, it's like, I'm qualified in that. I can, I can do it. I can make good money from it. And I've been lucky enough to be able to break away from the industry and work for myself and, and be able to not, you know, work the whole time. So I'm going to make money being a scientist and I'm still going to 
write songs and put them out there. Um, and I don't care what anybody else says because it doesn't make me happy. Like your advice does not make me happy. Yeah, I love that. I love how you've just chosen your own happiness and you've become your own anchor. Like you've become your own lighthouse in a way because you're listening to yourself for so long. Like it was like, well, this person says I should do this. You tried it and it didn't feel good. And then now it's like, well, if unless Yasmin wants to do it and unless it feels true to Yasmin, I'm not doing it. And I think that is one of the break, like that's the one of the latest stages in this journey because people have to kind of get through all of the trusting the noise and trusting all the crap and then be like, wait, I had the answers all along. I think you said something really interesting a few minutes ago about how you didn't like performing live. And I think this goes into something interesting of we think with certain with a certain creativity that we pursue, there's a certain way to do it. So for example, I know a lot of writers, if they don't write every day, if they're more of a binge writer, or if they kind of write a few times a week, they don't think they're a real writer because they don't write how for years they've been told what a writer should look like. And for a musician, I guess performing live is one of those things when people say, oh, I just love it. It brings me so much. It helps me feel connected to music, all that kind of stuff. And for you, that wasn't true. And I think it's so interesting how you've even given yourself a mission within the creative work that you do to let go of the things that maybe would surprise people that you don't find as enjoyable as maybe creating the music. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah. And it's not that I don't want to do hard things, you know, like I like challenging myself and I've done it all my life, but performing live takes energy out of me and doesn't give me anything back. And I know people who actually feel more fueled when they perform live I don't because it starts for me from the morning I wake up I'm like oh I have to play tonight and that makes me really nervous the whole day and then when I'm on stage I feel super vulnerable more vulnerable than than I want to be um even though my songs are very open and they're very um personal and I'm happy to do that in song form but when I'm on stage like Last year when I was playing some of the songs that were really close to my heart, I cried on stage and I don't want to do that on stage. It's not that it's not that there's anything shameful about it, but I didn't want to do that in that moment. But I, I'm happy doing that while I'm writing the song because I feel more protected. And maybe one day I'll change my mind. But mm. for now, writing the song is what gives me joy recording the songs what gives me joy putting you know doing the videos doing all the um arty stuff behind it but not being on stage in front of people especially if it's a noisy room and I'm trying to share my innermost feelings (laughs) so (laughs) not that I'm entitled for everyone to like shut up and listen to me but it's a very vulnerable I think only people who perform kind of can relate to that yeah how are you moving forward with this idea of creative happiness comes from within then? Like for this year, I know last year was such a tough year for you. For this year, how are you kind of honouring that in your day-to-day and kind of staying true to that? Because I know it, it is so easy for all of us to kind of find our truth and our alignment and that epiphany moment or that epiphany season of discovering it. But it's still so easy to get distracted and to be pulled by, you know, expectations or noise. So for you right now, how are you staying close to that truth that you found? And how are you honoring that your creative happiness comes from within in your music career and in your just life in general? I don't know how to say this without everybody who's listening kind of hating me. (laughs) But but I honestly, honestly, I I, I found this meditation person, let's say, he's he's a a guru, his name is Sadhguru. I saw his ad on YouTube and I really connected to his words and what he was saying. And basically I got back to basics, which makes me sound like such a hippie. Um, But I'm okay with that because I feel like it's actually our reality and we kind of shy away from it. But the fact is like we all have an expiry date and it's sometimes you could say, oh, yeah, death happens to everybody. We're all going to die someday. And you can just say these things. But like to actually be fully aware of the fact that we did nothing to deserve to be alive. We just kind of woke up and we're like, whoa, like we get to experience this incredible reality whatever it is and there's an expiry date on that and I have a choice and especially living in New Zealand like I could have easily been still in Iraq um, in a very dreadful sort of situation but I was lucky enough to to have parents who took the initiative to get us out and now I have like the safety I have money I I have health 
I have good weather. Like it's the small things in life, honestly. And I was like, I I know for for you know for setting goals on my, for myself and not achieving them. And I also know from looking at other artists now that everything is so transparent that people who get to the top aren't always the happiest. I just know that every day is precious. And like I'm saying, everybody's going to just be rolling their eyes. But if you really think about the fact that we have an expiry date and we, we could choose to actually get up every day and be like, hey, like we could breathe clean air and I can choose to write songs. And it doesn't mean they won't be big one day. It could still happen, but I can still be happy right now instead of waking up every day feeling inadequate, like, oh, I'm still not famous. Oh, people still don't know my songs. I don't know what good that would <laughs> that would achieve. So, yeah, I've turned into a real hippie. <laughs> That's how I <laughs> That's how I've achieved this kind of ongoing uh, happiness with being creative. But it's honestly just realizing that this will all end one day and I have a choice to either write it out and be happy and put everything into perspective or just be miserable. I love that. I remember you you kind of shared this with me on our last call. And I don't, I don't think anyone listening right now will hate you because I just think that is the one of the greatest truths of life. And it is one of the most clarifying things for me is when I think, well, I'm going to, I could die tomorrow and the people I love could die tomorrow. And I could, it's, it's so clarifying. And I think it's also that moment of where I can, I am choosing, there's, there's so many things out of my control, which I'm going to go on to in a minute because that is a big thing that we've spoke about together is the things that are in our control and out of our control. But there's so many things that are out of my control, but that everything that's in my control, I get to choose that. I get to choose whether or not I make my creative work miserable for me or hard for me or I put pressure on me that is unreasonable. And I get to choose whether to be joyful and grateful and all that. So I think, I think that's wonderful what you just shared. And I think it's I love that you just went there and were vulnerable about it because I think there's a lot of judgment. I think we're not, we don't celebrate that kind of mindset as a society. We're kind of more comfortable with people being like, oh, everything's shit. I give up. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, we're just like, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, everything's so hectic. I hate the word hectic. Oh my God, <laughs> I hate the word hectic. And it's not to say I don't live a hectic life, but no, I don't live a hectic life actually. But that's by choice. Like, for example, when we started the school, I told you I'm currently homeless, not because of, you know, any financial thing, but I went to get a massage yesterday and I um, left my house and as my door closed, I realized that I'd left my keys inside for my car and for my house. And uh, I was like, okay, I will be relaxed and I will go get this massage because I'm paying big bucks for it. <laughs> and um, it's been a day and a half and I haven't been able to get back inside my house. But honestly, like I could have been a real bitch about the whole thing to everybody who's been in my life the last day and a half. But I was like, this is not even a big deal. Like eventually I will get back inside my house once I get my spare key and just shut up and get on with things like life is not that bad but I think sometimes we get the stress and the hecticness of our life get to us and then we're all just horrible to each other and we take it out on each other and not to say I'm perfect obviously not but like I have to always remind myself it's not that bad I don't have a hectic life like people I just came back from India a few weeks ago and people in India have hectic lives like they are trying to survive every day I don't have a hectic life because I got locked out of my beautiful home. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be a loser and just go around and be like, oh, my life's so stressful right now. I don't have a house. So, yeah. No, I, it's, it comes back to that word of, I think, perspective. I feel like it's a very, I don't know if it's a millennial thing, but we're living in this time where, you know, like people are like, well, it's all relative. Like, let's not dismiss one person's struggles just because it's worse on the other side of the world. But that is one of the most clarifying things of my life to just see all of my privilege and everything I should be grateful for just because I was born in the right time in the right place nothing of my own doing I just I got exactly exactly (laughs) and then it's like well what am I going to do with this life I was born into privilege so what am I going to do with this I'm going to be happy because if I'm happier I get to serve the world more in whatever way I can if I'm miserable I'm just looking inwards and wasting all of this and if I need a day to be sad about something or to process hard things I'm allowed to do that but I'm not allowed to waste this life that is a gift every day so I, I love that perspective 
Yeah, and just before we get off this morbid topic, <laughs> which is, <laughs> but it's our reality, so whatever, people, like, we need to talk about it more. Um, there's a beautiful letter that a girl called Holly Butcher wrote, um, and she's on Shan Girl. I don't know if it reached your side of the world, but I know got viral because I'm not on social media and I found out about it. So that's how viral it went. Um, but uh, she was a 27-year-old girl who got diagnosed with cancer and uh, she passed away earlier this year. But she wrote this really beautiful letter to the world. And if you read it, it just really puts things into perspective. Like she was just a normal girl, didn't expect to be dying. And then all of a sudden this happened to her. And I felt like she was so generous to leave us with – just like what she wished she had done more of when she was here. And when I read it, it just smacked me in the face. I was like, man, this is like, I'm just wasting my life being like, we're saying like, what's the word you use? You said it really nicely, kind of putting our happiness off until we get to this place that we had imagined for ourselves, and that we might never get there. So like, why are we, why are we so hectic people? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah. I I kind of have been exploring a lot in my mind recently, and also I work with so many people, and I see we defer our happiness until we get to a marker. Whether it's something like, say, from my current clients I'm working with, I can see that people when they start working together, they're deferring their happiness until they can quit their day job, or until their business reaches a certain income level, or until they buy a house, or until they move to somewhere. And it's it's like, why are we deferring our happiness until these things that are going to happen that are out of our control? It's like, wait. I have the ability as a living, breathing human to choose happiness, to, to choose joy in this moment. Even if even if I'm in pain in some capacity, I can choose joy by just going outside and watching the sunrise or watching the sunset or just talking to my favorite human. I can do these small things and maybe the truth and the pain is all still there, but I can still choose joy. And I think, I think it's a shame that I feel like we're living in a time when we're all comparing ourselves to everybody else and we're kind of defining a life by the things we achieve and the markers that we reach and it's like wait like I'm alive today I might not be alive tomorrow how can I choose joy today while still honoring the fact that I have big goals that I want to work towards but how can I work towards them joyfully not with impatience and with kind of feeling like if I don't reach them I'm not a worthy human so I love that I'm gonna find that that letter and put it in the show notes yeah no it's a really beautiful letter and uh, you know I was guilty of that the whole time up until I had the epiphany at the start of the year I was guilty of tying myself worth to all of these things and and uh, just being a miserable human. So I'm so thankful I've graduated from that mind fog. <laughs> and everyone's there. Like, I, I feel like it's, um, I think it's a universal thing. I see so many people there and I think everyone's on a journey. Like you are only supposed to get to this place now. I really do believe that. Like you, I don't know if you would have the clarity you have now if last year wasn't so hard for you for personal reasons. Like if you, sometimes we have to go through the tr struggles of life to have that clarity. And I think if anyone right now is like, oh my God, like that's how I'm thinking. It's like, that's okay. Like don't shame yourself for how you're thinking and feeling because everyone's thinking and feeling like that. But we have a choice to examine our thoughts and be like, wait, is there a better way? But everyone's on their own journey and everyone's on their own time. And I think it's more asking ourselves better questions, I think is always the better solution. It's instead of asking myself, why is this so hard? Why don't I ask myself, how can I make this easier or more joyful for myself? I think sometimes it's just changing the questions we're asking ourselves can lead to more clarity. I don't know if that's been helpful for you if you do that, but that's what I find helpful. Yeah, so people will find their own way. That's why I don't want to harp on about like the the, the guru I found with <laughs> meditation thing because I don't think everyone will connect to it, you know. It just happens to be what I connected to. Um, but, yeah, it's it's – you'll get there people like keep seeking and um I was the girl who rolled my eyes at people who talked like me last year just like oh my gosh just go away like you have no <laughs> idea what I'm going through um but yeah I'm so thankful that I got to where I am because I really feel like whatever comes next I can keep that big picture in perspective and what's truly important and it doesn't demotivate me it doesn't mean like I'm gonna go hug a tree and like do nothing with my life I actually want to do everything because now I'm like oh I truly have an expiry date like I want to travel more and I want to feel more and see more and do more and like I'm just doing so much now and I'm so productive so yeah I love that okay I'm going to take us on like a slightly different track so something we spoke about a lot last year is the difference between the things you can control and the things you can't control 
because and this probably ties into this actually because it's like kind of I can either pour my energy into the things that I have control over or I can lose my life to trying to control the things that are just not mine to control. And you're in an industry full of gatekeepers. Just to become a certain type of musician, you've got a lot of people to give you a yes and to validate you and approve you. And something you do is you create your own opportunities, big or small, whether it's, you know, producing your own album or kind of creating your own tour. What is your perspective around kind of creating your own opportunities in an industry of gatekeepers? And how have you kind of found that in your journey? And how have you kind of taken response, like taken control of the fact that you are the only one who can create your own opportunities? Because if you're just waiting for gatekeepers, it's out of your control. No, no. And you're truly correct to say it's an industry of gatekeepers. And before I used to think it was because people wanted to be horrible, like, no, 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 like, I'm going to keep saying no. And then um, I realise now that actually, like, the music industry, not the not music, but the music industry, the music business, is dying a very slow death. And I think it's um, very universally accepted now. I know there is still many in, like, live shows, but what it used to be and what it is now is, like, totally different so there's gatekeepers because people have to feed their family and they want something that is commercial that is going to sell that is going to create buzz and that's what they're looking for so like for example the last couple of years has been really big for electronic music so electronic artists a lot of edm artists like people who sound like the chain smokers and girls who sounded like ellie golding for example Mm. so uh, lots of beautiful luscious pop vocals on top of very dancing music is what was selling. So um, if you didn't sound like that, there was no place for you in the commercial industry. But it doesn't mean that you have to stop being a musician. So um, that's when you then go and create your own opportunities. And creating your own opportunities, in my experience, has been fulfilling, but not financially. Like, Again, I, I made $46 on Spotify last year. So <laughs> that's not even like half of my hourly rate doing science, you know, like, um, so it's it's very minuscule money, but the, I'm very proud of the fact that I have a full album on Spotify, um, especially being the girl who was like even scared to say I'm a musician mm. because nobody knew I played. I was like a science geek, so... Um, that's a huge step for me. Um, so that's when you have to make your own opportunities. But there's so many artists who never got big that make beautiful music. One of my favorite New Zealand bands um, is a band called Great North, and they just, oh, my gosh, I love their songs. But, you know, I think they have, if you're going to validate a band by their following, they have, like, less than 2,000 followers um, on their social media. But... They're so good, but they're just not flavor of the year. So, Mm. um, yeah, you just have to kind of decide whether you want to do music or you want to not do music because no one's saying yes to you. Yeah, and I think that is such a universal, whether you're a writer or an illustrator, like whatever your creative thing is, like your dream, it's like, oh, I can wait till someone gives me a book deal or wants to hire me to do this thing or I can just create because ultimately that's what I got into it for the first place for was to create I think something I've been thinking about a lot recently I really want to write about it but I want to kind of percolate a little bit more is the idea between sometimes our creative work pays our bills and sometimes it feeds our soul and it brings our joy and it's kind of knowing it's being okay with straddling that tension between the two different ones like for me the creative work that pays my bills is my coaching and the writing that I do online that kind of leads into the coaching and all those kind of things that I do whereas at the moment I've been really trying to come home to the creative writing that I used to do a lot as a child and then just ignored it because I think I got criticism once and I was like fine screw this (laughs) and then I realized recently that I'm so fulfilled by my business but there's a the creative part of me that is not I'm not paying attention to her enough so I'm like oh, I'm coming back to this and I'm like I'm trying to write every day I'm trying to nurture it but without asking anything from it I don't want anything from it other than it to be something that it's a curiosity for me it's a love for me so I'm gonna pursue it whereas my business which is very creative and it's my creative work but that's my that's my life's work that's my financial work that's my impact I have in the world so I think it's Sometimes we have creative work that pays the bills. Sometimes we have creative work that is just our soul work. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. And it made me think of two incidents lately. 
one is lately, so we were talking about um, Jamie Varon, I think is how you pronounce the last name. Um, yeah, she's who, amazing. Yeah, who um, I follow on social media. And um, I think maybe last year she was making money doing writing. And I saw a post recently that she's gone back to design work and launching her own design company because she doesn't want to place um the burden on her writing Mm. so writing as a job wasn't fulfilling for her she loves writing but not writing as a job and I imagine that's because maybe she had to write within constraints of whatever um kind of blog or magazine or whatever she was writing Mm. for I don't know you'll have (laughs) we'll have to talk to her but you know like sometimes what you love when you do it as a job it might not be um you might not love it anymore because there's other things that becomes placed on you um, yeah. And I love something that uh, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this will know, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. I, I love when she talks about how her first three books that she wrote, she was still waitressing. She was a waitress mm. who went home and wrote because that's what gave her joy. Um, but when she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, that's when things took off for her and she finally quit her waitressing job. And, you know, like, that's what we all need to be doing we need to be practicing the creative outlet that we love without thinking about the money side like the money will hopefully come eventually and if it doesn't you've like you're saying enjoyed doing the creative work yeah and if you that's if you're in it for the external success we're not in it for the right reasons like if you if you're a writer or a musician or an artist like whatever it is it's like if the money is the is the main focus that's a business that's not a do you know what I mean like it's, it's a little different whereas if if you love to write or if you like to write music do that like write and come home to your creativity and because I love what Elizabeth Gilbert says is like she had to provide for her creativity and she made a pact she says I will provide for you for the rest of my life if I have to and then it has provided for her but she she made that pact of it that she will show up for it and I thought that was so beautiful because there's some of us who have, I think most of us, we have something, whether it's creative or a passion in our life, that it makes us feel whole. It's a big part of ourselves. And I think we're in a, we're in an era where I kind of feel like there's a lot of pressure for people to be like, well, I should monetize this. But I think there is a difference between, this is a whole other conversation, I think there is a difference sometimes between a business and a creative joy. And sometimes you can blend the two. And sometimes there's different um, facets to them. Sometimes it's the bit that you monetize and sometimes it's the bit that you keep to yourself. But I feel like maybe we've got maybe a little lost along the way of forgetting that the most important thing is, am I nurturing my creativity? Am I coming home to it? Am I enjoying it? Because if you're not enjoying it, what's the what's the point? Yeah, and it's not, sometimes it's not our fault, to be honest. Like, we should take responsibility yeah. for what we do, but everything around us tells us being successful is being financially, you know, well off. And that's how other people perceive us as well. So, for example, people looking at me when I say I'm a musician – and I'm not making money doing music, or I must not be a good musician. But if if music was my full-time job, then, oh, I must be a good musician. And it's just what's been, you know, it's just what our culture is. It's how we perceive success is by making money. And I love making money. I'm not putting making money down. Like, money has allowed me to live the life that I live, but um, I've chosen to make, not make it my be all and end all so um yeah so it's not always our fault I think society has just put so much emphasis on success meaning being famous success meaning making money Mm. yeah no I think you it's so interesting that you said that it's like yeah we we think someone's successful if someone else has said that their work is good yeah not if we actually like the work or because for me I'm like wow like this is actually the last thing I wanted to ask you about the day so I am completely in awe of musicians I'm completely in awe of songwriters and people who because I adore music and I can listen to it but I can't I can't break that down in my head I can't figure out how they took an emotion or a feeling and they turned it into this beautiful song that makes me cry (laughs) or makes me happy it's like it's it's alien to me and I think that's why it's more magical to me so I would just love to know what's your creative process like with songwriting and how do you go there like how do you get to that place it's more like a fangirl of like oh my god how do you create this music (laughs) you know like everybody does it differently but for me um, it's a lot of rewriting. So I get the, the first kind of idea and then I rewrite. So at the moment, 
I'm working on a song called War Child. And my, my next album is very political in the sense that it's about who I am. I'm from Iraq, how I've experienced growing up. But I've been so challenged by the fact that I need to do it in a non-preachy way because I'm I don't feel like I'm a preachy person when it comes to politics. I I hate the whole like who's right and who's wrong. I just think it's the the people in war, for example, it's the people their everyday life is what's being affected and everyone's got a story. It's not about which government is right and which government is wrong and I don't need to add to that conversation. So my challenge has been about telling my story without having someone listen to it and wanting to comment on it straight away and take a side. Mm. Um, so to do that, I have to say everything that's in my head and then go back and rewrite it and get the idea to be as basic and as concise as possible. And so that takes a lot of rewriting. So yeah, the, the song keeps taking, it's not so much the melody, it's more the words and being able to fit uh, the right type of, syllable on the right words and the only way I can do that at the moment is by sending it to somebody else and have them give me mm. feedback on it which has been really kind of bad for your ego because you're like no my song is good but then <laughs> if I mull it over for a couple of days I'm like oh actually they did have a point like um how did I jump from this idea to this idea I need to bridge that gap so yeah I would say it's about writing a lot and then making it more concise yeah, that's so interesting. I imagine for anyone listening who, say, maybe writes personal essays or blog content, it's kind of, it's similar in that they have something of their own that they want to talk about and share with the world, but we've got to do it in a way that isn't invasive for people to read. It's like, you kind of have to universalize the story a little bit to make it more accessible for people. Is that what it's like for you? Yeah. It's not about not offending people. Like, I'm not trying to please everybody and being careful about how I do it. Like, for example, I have a line about... um so I look very Middle Eastern and for a while I was stopped at airports all the time. Um, and that really bugged me. Like it really bugged me because I knew I was being stopped because of the way I looked and I wasn't going to be like, Oh, but they had to do their job. And, you know, I had to say <laughs> it in a way that expressed how I felt about it, but I don't want to add hate to the conversation. Mm. That's not what we need right now. So I had to say it, from like actually can you empathize with this like I'm just a normal mm. person trying to get to work you know or trying to get to a holiday and I'm being discriminated against but do it in a, a way not being like oh I'm such a victim and I hate you for doing this to me because we just don't need any more of that there's so much of it in the world so it's about refining ideas I guess it's not about pleasing everybody and like trying to be on the fence it's about just refining how you say something yeah Mm. So if people listening want to go check out your current music, your last album and your EP are on Spotify, right? Yeah, so my last album is called London and it was because I wanted to move to London after the end of a relationship because I wanted to run away from everything and it was about <laughs> actually realising that a problem viewed from far away is still a problem and I couldn't change my kind of uh, physical location and get away from things. So the album starts with how I felt and then ends with kind of finding myself and it's very very um true to <laughs> everything that happened so very personal but uh the next album I'm hoping to have everything written by September it's when I have one show booked this year um to showcase those songs so I want to have everything finished by then and then I'll start thinking about recording it um so it won't be recorded till uh maybe end of 2018 beginning of 2019 and I'm not putting any pressure on myself to get it done any quicker um, because I want them to be the best songs I've written to date um, because, yeah, there's enough kind of quick music out there and uh, I want to make sure that I'm not doing it to get it out quickly but I'm doing it because I can't do any better than than what I've offered. Mm. So, I'm yeah. I love that. The idea, of, yeah, like of giving your creative work the time it needs to be the very best it can be is something I think about a lot. It's just how sometimes we're like, oh, I need to get it out faster. But it's like, wait, what if I just gave it what it needs to be the best it can be so that in 10 years I can look back and be so proud of this album and not feel like, oh, I'm happy with it. But I could have done more if I was just six months more patient with it. And in 10 years time, six months feels like nothing. So 
Yeah, and no one's really waiting. Like we think that, oh my gosh, people are realizing that we haven't posted anything or it's been a while, but actually everyone's got their own lives and they care about their lives. Like no one's waiting for my next album, you know. Like when it comes up on their news feed, then they'll be like, oh, there's some new songs because that's how I feel about my favorite artists. I'm like, oh, a new album's come out, but I haven't been counting down the days. Like I don't care that much. I have my own life. (laughs) So, yeah. And they want your best work. They don't care. Like, I know for me, like, if there's a band I love or, like, anything, or there's, like, a writer I love, I don't want them to get the next thing out to me straight away. I want their best work because that's why I love what they do. And so I'm grateful for people for mining and doing the time to get to their best work and not. So I think, yeah, that's... But we have pressure. You must, I don't know what it's like in your industry, but in music, it's like you always have to be at the forefront of your fans' mind. So always keep posting. And it's like, dude, like... I'm a human, like I'm not a machine. And I had a um, a meeting like maybe March last year with a really, really famous manager in New Zealand and she was super lovely and I know she had my best interests at heart but she was like, oh, you're – like you need to get a song out, you need to get another single out. And I'm like, I just released like a whole album, you know, like it takes a while to put mm-hmm. on my thing. It's like, yep, but you you gotta, you always have to have something out there. And I almost bought into that. And and I know she's given me the best advice she could as a business person, but like as an artist, you have to be all precious. Like you have to be like, actually, no, I'm going to take my time <laughs> and I'm gonna write these songs. And like if nobody hears it or a few people hear it, at least like you're saying it's your best work. It's not some mediocre thing that you rushed because a business person told you you need to always be there in front of people's minds. Yeah, I think that kind of really ties into this. Like you said, with my energy, like this, with this online world I live in where people feel like they have to be constantly updating their social media or putting out blog posts or doing new things, new things. Whereas I, can't, I you probably got it in your inbox. I wrote an email a few weeks ago about how the cream always rises to the top. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the thing I always come back to is like, okay, you can just share, 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 share. But what if you put your best work out there as business owners, especially? Yes, there's a level of staying. You've got to stay in touch with your community. You've got to stay in touch with people. But Jamie Veron is actually a perfect example. She went silent last year. Mm. She like she she just went off social media completely. And she's my one of my favorite people to follow. And she's one of my favorite writers. And like every month or so, I'd like check in to see if she'd updated and she hadn't. But I was still checking in to see. And then when she came back a few weeks ago, because she's moved to Paris and she kind of had to go through some time offline and now she's, I'm just so excited that she's back and so grateful because she has a whole fresh new perspective and stories to tell that only could have come from taking a break. So I think it's, don't underestimate the fact that if you do your best work, people, they don't need to hear from you every day on Instagram or social media. If they love your work, they love your work. Like think of your favorite brand band if they went on hiatus for 10 years and then came back, how excited would you be? I'm so excited. Yeah, exactly. And they probably don't, it doesn't feel like 10 years to me, you know, it'd be like, yeah. oh, it's been three years since your last album. Oh, okay. I don't realize, but I love it. <laughs> like I love what you've just done. Um, so yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think it's all just um, pressure that we buy into and we put on ourselves. And like when I finally became liberated from that pressure, it's when I feel like, oh, I can breathe. Like literally I can breathe this year. Last year was so, so shit that I was like, like what, what is the point of all this? Like why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> um, but this year I'm like, oh, I love music and writing songs. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I do. I remember our last call. So Yasmin lives in New Zealand. So we always have our calls that like I open up an extra spot at like seven or eight a.m. UK time. And, but it's absolutely fine because I love connecting with you. But I remember at the end of our last call, I was extra sleepy that day. But I finished our call and I had the biggest smile on my face because I could just hear through the. It, it's just it's really beautiful to hear where you are because I think that's where that's where the magic happens and that's a great place to live in so I'm very I'm very excited for you and I'm very excited in a few months to see how it's still going on for you thank you Jen and you've been such a great help like honestly I I cringe when I listen to our first call like back to our first call because I just sounded so um brainwashed by everything that I thought I had to do and I was like so like oh, this is my strategy and this is blah, blah, blah. And I just, I was not happy. And like to finally listen to that last call and be like, oh my gosh, 
like how did Jen um, stand me for like a year and a bit? Like how did she, she must be like, oh, I have to speak to that depressed musician again. <laughs> um no. but yeah and and I have to wake up so early to talk to her because she lives in a different time zone but yeah I really appreciate you um being so patient with me till I finally got no. here it's a it's a joy like I feel like like I work with people at all different stages and it's so funny when someone's having a tough season they tend to apologize to me a lot for it they're like or on the other side like Jen I'm, and I'm like I'm like no like you're just being real and human and it's my job to be steady in that. It's my job to be patient and steady and to and to to just hold space for you to figure this out and to not maybe I could, even if I'm looking at a client situation and think, well, this is what I would do in that situation. That's not on me. You've got to go on your journey and I've just got to support you and ask questions and be okay with the discomfort of it not being a linear process. So I think it's awesome on you because you could have stayed in that place, but you've done the work to get to where you are now. And I think I'm very excited for you because I know from personal experience, it's like the light comes back on. It's like we were seeing life in black and white, <laughs> and, now the, and then there's color again. So I'm. It's been it's been a privilege, and I'm I'm so excited to have you on the show because I think your perspective is really interesting. And I am okay. I am finishing this season with four quick fire round questions. Are you ready? Sure. The season. This, this the whole episodes. This season. I meant. Okay. What What is the best book you've read recently? Oh, uh, I have to say Inner Engineering by Sadhguru, which is the, um, <laughs> I call him my homie, my my guru right now. Yeah, he's my homie. <laughs> awesome. If you could have a coffee date with one of your creative heroes, inspirations, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, maybe like John Mayer, but not for like creepy, creepy reasons. I just like, <laughs> I just think he's such a, an amazing songwriter. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love him. Um, in another life, what's a job completely different to what you do now that you think you could have been awesome at? Um, <laughs> could have been awesome at, I'd love to be a clothes, a clothing designer. That would be cool. That's what, and the last question, if everyone listening could go do one thing next to connect with you and the awesome work you do, where should they go? I have a website. It's yasminmusic.com. Um, I still haven't made peace with social media. So if you want to follow my 12 photos that I've posted in the last two years, <laughs> you can go to Yasmin photos on Instagram, but, um, I'm sharing a little bit more on stories because I like that they disappear in 24 hours. So, yeah, I, ju I just don't want to be fake on there. So I have to find a way to kind of be real on there. Well, I hate that mm. word, be real, but just kind of like put something that is actually what's happening. Like I'm not going to post mm. a photo of a coffee cup and be all inspirational because no. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, thank you so much for coming on today, Asvin. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. And there we have it, today's episode. If you'd like to find out more about Yasmin and the awesome work she's doing in the world, head over to makeithappenpodcast.com where you can dive into this episode's show notes and all past episodes too. And if you'd like more from me, head over to jencarrington.com where you can explore all of the content I create for big-hearted creatives just like you. More than anything, thank you so much for listening along today and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day ahead. Keep on doing the awesome work that you're doing in the world and I'll be rooting for you always.